Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. So I think you get an idea of where we're headed this morning. We're in week three of a series we've entitled Breakthrough. When we kicked this series off um, just a few short weeks ago, we started with and we, we hunger, having a hunger for God, taking time to draw close to God. And we, we started it with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we're on day 15, I believe it is, of prayer and fasting. And so we have a, a week left. And I would just encourage you to keep going. Right, to keep going. Don't, don't quit now. You got another seven days. Next Sunday it ends, but lean into, and maybe you're here as a, as a guest and you're like, hey, I wasn't here two weeks ago when you started. There is never a wrong time or a bad time to start with prayer and fasting. Just because corporately it will end in seven days doesn't mean it's like, well, prayer's over. We're good. We don't need to pray anymore. Uh, the Lord continues to impress it upon your heart. Keep fasting. Right? Keep fasting, keep pressing in. So we talked about having hunger. Last week we talked about fasting and today we're gonna lean into prayer. What does it mean to be people of prayer? How do we listen right, in prayer? How do we know it's God's voice when we're praying? So this morning, that's, that's our heart. On, on, uh, you already see it from our first service, but at the end of service, we're gonna do something special. And uh, so every Sunday morning during this series, staff, Board, we've been up front praying because we believe in the power of prayer. Midweeks, during our midweeks, the first 15 minutes, we've been praying. And hopefully you've been following along in our devotional, 21-day devotional, as we've been praying and fasting as well. And so I'm just going to encourage you, lean in today. This is not the time to be like, ah, oh, I'm going to check out. It's good. Pray. We know how to pray. We talk. It's good. No, just lean in for a moment. Just lean in for a moment. I remember, uh, it's a long time ago, Pastor Angel and I bought our first house. How many of you remember purchasing your first house? I was like, this, oh, this is a big boy commitment. Like, this, this is big stuff. Like, I'm going I'm to spend some money and you got to have that down payment and all these things. And so we bought a house and it was from an older couple. And so we, we knew it was probably going to need a little bit of work. We walked through it. They did some updates, like the windows and the roof were new. That was great. We, we really appreciated that. Um, but there was, there was some updates in the kitchen that were needed. Uh, it was a, somewhat of a weird layout. It was, it was just a three bedroom slab ranch, so no basement. Um, but when you walked into the kitchen, the washer and dryer were the first things you saw. I was like, I'm not sure who thought it was a good idea to put lint with my scrambled eggs. Like it just doesn't fit, but it was there anyway and we weren't moving it. There was no place to take it. Um, but also the bathroom, it was only a one bath house and the bathroom I believe was original. It was about 50 years old. And I was like, I'm not sure uh, why someone went in like, like dark brown everywhere. Um, and I was like, so we're gonna have to make some changes here and eventually, right? And um, we had, at that time, uh, we had our pastor, our lead pastor and his wife come over and they came over and we toured like, oh, we're so excited. Like, just, ah, like, it took about three seconds to take the tour. Like, that's the bedroom. This is the bathroom. You're in the living room. That's pretty much the house, right? And they were excited for us. And um, we showed them the bathroom and we were like, man, we would just have these dreams and we want to gut it and put all new stuff in. And they said, I'm sure that's really important, but it's probably not the most important thing. People, people get you just bought your first house. It's okay. I, and they suggested, don't touch it. Just let it be. And like any good new first homeowners, man, we listened not so much. And uh, because at the time we were watching, how many of you remember the show Trading Spaces with Ty Pennington? Like you'd trade. So we're, 
obviously now after watching multiple episodes, I'm an expert. I know everything about renovating homes, right? And so I was like, we're going to gut this thing. And so we just ripped everything out and we took all the money that we had saved and we redid our bathroom and it turned out great. However, what had happened was um, we found out we were pregnant with our first child after we spent the money. And then uh, we took a new assignment. I was working in a factory and God called me to be a youth pastor. And so then we took a new assignment and, and took about a $25,000 a year pay cut. Ooh, right? And then we found out we were pregnant with our second daughter. And when Kirsten was born, she came out purple. Uh, so she was not breathing. I'm grateful she's here this morning and is still breathing. So that's good news, right? And... Um, but she had some medical things going on. And so then we had, she was in physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy uh, from a very young age. And at that time, our insurance was 80-20. And so medical bills just piling up like crazy. So the home that we, we had, we ended up having to sell just to pay off that medical debt. Now I share that because what would have happened if I would have listened to the other voice? Not the trading spaces, not the Ty Pennington voice that I was hearing. But what if I would have listened to the voice of reason? What if I would have listened to the wisdom of somebody else who said, why don't you hit pause? Would the finances have been different if I would have listened to the other voice? You see, during this season of your life, you need to know which voice to listen to. During the next season of your life, you're going to need to know which voice to listen to. During the season, after this season, after the following season, 10 years from now season, you're going to need to be able to lean into and go, okay, which voice do I want to listen to? We're going to have a ton of verses today, but the first one we're going to look at is the book of John chapter 10, verse 10. I've preached on this. We've shared it. You, you probably know it, that the thief comes to, on, to only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Satan will do anything in his power to get you to follow his voice instead of God's voice. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to experience breakthrough. He wants you to experience bondage. So we're talking and praying and believing for breakthroughs. That's why we're praying every Sunday morning. That's why we're praying on Wednesdays. We're praying for breakthroughs to happen in your life. But the enemy doesn't want to see you have that breakthrough. He wants you to be stuck in bondage, to be bound up by chains the change of your past, the change of an addiction. And we're believing for a breakthrough. You see, the enemy, he's going to whisper. He's going to yell. He's going to distract. He's going to lie. He's going to encourage you to give up. He's going to encourage you to quit. Here's what the enemy is going to do. The enemy is going to remind you of your past and blind you of your future. Hey, you remember what you did? Remember what you said? This eliminates you from being able to do anything for the kingdom because if anybody knew about your past, you would never be good enough for the future. And so you're blind to it. But that's what the enemy wants to do because his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. But our father has a great, massive, completely opposite desire for your life. You see, Jesus whispers, he doesn't need to yell. The reason he doesn't need to yell is because that's how close he is to you. He doesn't have to scream. He whispers. And not only does he whisper, what does he whisper? He whispers and he speaks truth. And the enemy wants you to quit, but Jesus wants to empower you to not give up. So he gives us the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to walk with us, to encourage us not to quit, not to give up. The scripture tells us to continually persevere and run the race and keep our eyes on the prize. So for us, Jesus whispers. So the enemy 
What's he do? He wants to put our, our past in front of us and blind us to the future. Do you know what Jesus does? Jesus takes our past, forgives us, makes us whole, and then has a bright future for our life. Do you see the difference between the two? One is, look what you've done. The other is, I've seen what you've done. I loved you. I forgive you. Now I want to use you. I want your life to be used for all his glory, right? For his glory, for his honor. So we need to listen to God's voice and turn out and tune out all the other voices in our life. So how do we do that? How do we tune out those, under voices, those other voices? I believe it's found in the power of prayer. If you have your Bibles, look at the book of James, chapter five, verse 16. It's a very powerful verse. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's what I know. It's hard to find forgiveness when you're more concerned about hiding your sin than confessing it. Right, you get stuck. It says that, that we need to make sure that we're confessing it to one another and then praying and that the righteous prayer, someone who is in right relationship with Jesus, that prayer is powerful and effective, but we're so busy sometimes hiding it instead of confessing it. And so we need to make sure that we're, 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 we're being honest with the Lord. He knows anyway, so we can't hide from him, but are we willing to confess it? Are we willing to make it known? Right, it's like going to the doctor. Can you imagine going to a doctor's appointment you scheduled it, you walk in and they kind of know what you're there for. So let's say you, you're there for migraines. And so the doctor begins asking, hey, help me to understand what's going wrong with you. And you think it's gonna be a good idea to play a trick on the doctor. You're going to tell them everything that is not wrong with you so that they will prescribe you something that will not help you. We wouldn't go to the doctors with that. We wouldn't walk into the hospital in the emergency room and be like, oh my gosh, what's, so wrong? what's wrong with you? Ah, it's my foot. And they're like, I thought you had migraines. No, 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 it's my foot. Well, actually, I'm not sure what's wrong with me. Why don't you figure it out? Well, let's play a guessing game. No, we wouldn't. We would go in and communicate exactly what it is that we want. Do we, do we find ourselves communicating with the Savior exactly what it is that we need? And so we need to make sure that we're, we're coming, confessing, and knowing that he has the answer. Because it's, the scripture tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Do you know what that means? That means when you pray, God listens. Let that sink in for a moment. The creator of the world, when you pray, he listens. You know what that also means? That also means what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. What, what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. So if you find yourself going, man, I'm just not a person of prayer. It's not something I, I desire to do. What that might be saying is I'm not sure if God is real. And I'm not sure if, if, if he is real, I'm not sure if he cares, nor would he care about the request I would make known to him. But, but maybe you pray and you pray small prayers. What does that say? Does that say, God, I, I believe you for what this may be. I believe that you can bless the food that's in front of me. I believe that you will protect me. But I'm not sure if you're big enough to handle fill in the blank. But maybe you pray prayers that move mountains. And you have the audacious faith to believe for the impossible. You get a bad diagnosis and you're like, I'm trusting God because he's going to heal. Right? So-and-so -so needs, needs something in their life. Man, I'm calling fire from heaven, believing. What that says is, God, I believe who you are and my prayer life is a reflection knowing that nothing is impossible for you. And so do we, do we have that type of faith this morning? Let me, let me ask you this. I want you to think last week, right? Last, or we'll just say this week, right? Sunday. So this week, what were the two, three, maybe four things you prayed for? 
So, so let me put it in this perspective. If God answered those two, three, four things, like rubber stamp, like you pray his answer is always yes. Immediately, like, oh, this needs to happen. Yes, 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 yes. And he's rubber stamping all of those prayers. My question to you this morning is, if he answered yes to every single one of those prayers, what would be different in the world today? Do we have the faith to believe? God, I'm praying for revival. I'm seeking revival to, to spread in your churches, an outpouring of your spirit. God, I know that you can do it in my county and in my state and in my country. So I'm believing for that. God, I, there, are, there are orphans all over this world. In the United States, I'm believing that, that God, people will rise up and tens of thousands of children will find homes. God, there's epidemics sweeping the country. There are those without food. There are hundreds of thousands of people, billions of people on planet earth that are lost and have never heard your name. And so I'm praying for all of those unreached people groups that the gospel would be spread. Do you see the difference in those prayers? You see, we, we, we serve a God when we pray that can change the world. But do our, do our prayers reflect who he is in our lives? Do we pray those type of prayers, believing that God can and will do and change the world? I love in Luke chapter 10, uh, the scripture says that Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning. I believe it's down verse 17 and 18. He, he saw. What that means is, is, is Jesus himself is on the throne. Satan fell. Jesus watched it happen. He has no authority. We have the authority. The authority has been granted to us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. If you've given your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit has entered your life, you have that type of audacious power within you. You have that, that dunamis, that dynamite power. Do we walk in that power? Do we walk in that authority that God has given us? I don't know about you, but with our three girls, so they're older now, but when they were kids, um, we had this basement where we lived in Medina and... Um, they had their whole little side of the basement that was like the girl's world. Uh, so within that was like Barbie kingdom. Um, like huge, we still have the dollhouse, by the way, the, the Barbie house that we've saved for our granddaughter. It's already in our house now out of the attic, right? It's like, it's just girls. It's girls rule. They've taken over the world and definitely in my house, okay? So, so you had like baby dolls and Barbie dolls and you had toys and you had games and you had everything. But for whatever reason, their side of the basement looked like it was a part of the tornado alley in Kansas, right? It didn't matter how clean it was. It felt like every week, and you'd walk down and be like, I don't know where to step. Like, where am I supposed to do? So, so we would send the girls to their, base, their side of the basement and say, hey, we need you to pick this up. Can you pick this up? And of course, they were always obedient. And so we would tell, like, so for instance, we'd tell our oldest Brie, hey, we need you to go clean. And then sure enough, one of them would come back upstairs, and they would say, hey, so-and-so's not cleaning. They're not doing their job. Okay, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go downstairs, and what I want you to do is I want you to tell your sister that mom and dad said to clean. And understand something, that if they don't clean, the gates of Hades will not be able to hold back my wrath from coming downstairs. Okay, so I didn't do that part. All right, I just said, go tell your sister. But what, what I was saying and what happened was they would start cleaning. Why? Because there was an authority. There was an authority that came with, oh, mom and dad said clean. This wasn't just a good idea. This is a, we have to do this. And so do we walk in that type of authority? 
Because here's what I know. If we want to experience a breakthrough in our lives, we need to tap into that authority that has been given to us. Because there's so little we can do, but there's so much he can do. But we have to tap into his power. We've got to tap into that authority. We see, we see this power and this authority all through the book of Acts. If you're following along in our spiritual growth plan, you've already read this in Acts chapter four. Here's what we see. Peter and John, they're traveling. There's, there's a gentleman who's, who's been lame. He hasn't been able to walk for 40 years. So Peter and John, man, they pray for him and he picks up his mat and he walks. So, so he's now walking, hasn't been able to walk for 40 years, but the religious people of that time, the Sanhedrin are like, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, whoa. Something's not right here. And so they arrest them and they put them on trial. And here's what they want to know when they're on trial. They understand something. They knew this man. They've seen this man not be able to walk and now he can walk. And now they're mad that he is walking. And so they have Peter and John on trial and here's what they're going to ask him. By what name, by what authority have you done these things? Like who gives you the right? Like we didn't do it. So why can you do it? So who gives you this right? And here's the response. They said, let us state clearly, we are doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, right there, that could have been the end of the sentence. That's it. That's, we're doing this in the name of Jesus. That's, that's the authority. That's the power we've been given. But they doubled down on it. <laughs> they wanted to make sure they knew who Jesus was. And this is how they finished it. Let us clearly state clearly, we are doing this in the name of Jesus Christ, the man you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. Like, this is the authority. The, the Jesus you killed, listen, his father raised him from the dead. He is alive, he is well, and that is the authority and that is the boldness that we have. So they released from the trial, from prison. They go back to their people. They begin having a conversation like, hey, here's the threats. Here's what's happening. If we continue to preach in this name and continue to do the miracles in, his, in this name, and here's what it says in the book of Acts chapter four, verse 24. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I love that when Peter and John, they get back, it says they raise collectively. Collectively, they raise their voices together in prayer. There is something that happens supernaturally and powerful when we're together in unity and we raise our voices together in prayer. That's why we're having 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's why we're having prayer on Sunday mornings. That's why we're praying on Wednesday nights because God is moving. So the prayer time is over. But God showed up. When we pray, God shows up. Here's, here's the result of their prayer, their prayer service they had in Acts 4, 31. It says, after they prayed, all right, so they prayed, they sought God, God has moved. It says, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I mean, that's how I want our prayer meetings to end, right? Like, like, like God showed up and we prayed and now we're speaking his word boldly. So understand, they've been threatened, Threatened for them is, hey, you could be put in prison, you could be flogged, or you could be put to death by speaking in this name, in this name of Jesus. And so what's their prayer? God, help us to be bolder. Like, don't, we don't want to run away from, we want to run towards. And so give us a faith, give us a boldness to continue to speak in your name. They prayed for boldness and God moved. It's our human nature. So I'm, I'm guilty of this. When I said, hey, what's the three, four things you prayed for this week and would, the, would anything in the world be different? I get that. Because most often it's our human nature to pray for us, to pray for me. Like me, 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 me. And we pray. But, but understand something, that, that powerful Holy Spirit prayers change the world. Here's what I know about powerful prayers. They don't take no for an answer. 
Powerful prayers do not take no for an answer. Now I'm gonna read a portion of scripture and I'm not saying this is the best, I'm not saying this model should be used today. It was very effective for Elisha. It will get you in prison today. But, but I want you to hear it that they don't take no for an answer. And here's what it says in 2 Kings chapter four, verse 32. It says, when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. See what I'm saying? Bad idea. (laughs) But it was effective. It says, as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then he stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Right, so this is a, I feel the boy getting warm, but I know that God is going to restore this dead life back. And so I'm gonna pray, why? Because I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm not willing to take no for an answer. And this isn't like a, a, pu- a puffed up faith. This is a humble faith, but, it, but a faith that believes in the authority that we possess because we are children of the king. This is a faith that says, God, I'm not gonna let go. It's a Jacob. I'm not gonna let go until you bless me. Until you move, I will hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Until you move, I will continue to ask for you to pour out your spirit. Until you move, because I don't wanna take no for an answer. I don't wanna take no for an answer. So do we have that kind of faith? So why do we pray? Let's go back to that video. Let's rewind. I picked out a few things. Let me just share a few thoughts as we close. Why do we pray? Here's why we pray. We pray because it aligns our minds to God's will. In James 1.5, 1, it, it, it tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, pray and ask. But I love that it says, when you do, it says, God, that he is generous. He's generous to give. So do we pray and ask and believe? Like before you make that important decision, before you go, man, God, what is it that you want to do? What's my calling? What's the next job I'm supposed to take? Am I supposed to ask? ask. And here's what I would tell you. Don't ask last, ask first, right? Don't wait until you've, you've done everything and then say, God, I've walked this and it looks like you may be opening up this door. No, pray first and pray last. Pray in the middle and pray first. So what are we doing? We're asking and saying, God, we invite you into this process because I want my mind to align to your will. Why do we pray? We pray because we're told to without ceasing. In First Thessalonians chapter five, in verse 17, it's two words, pray continually. Pray continually. That's what we're asked to do. Pray continually. Don't stop. Some of you are like, so I should just walk around praying all day? Yes, we can. That, that's what we can do. We can, we can give God praise and we can give him thanks and we can pray as we see. And that also tells us it's not optional. It's not optional. He's asking us to. Why do we pray? We pray because the God who knows all, sees all, hears all. You're not catching him by surprise. It's not like he's up in heaven going, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't see that one coming. That one fooled me. Good job. This week, uh, I got to play a wonderful trick on Pastor Anthony. It was great. I'm not gonna share you the details, but it was amazing. And uh, he believed it was real. He said it even elevated his heart rate. He didn't see that one coming. It's not like God was like, oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen. No, he knew it was gonna happen. He knew your experience. He knows your circumstance. He knows the trial. He knows where you're at. He hears and he knows. So communicate with him. Let, him. let him know. Here's why we pray. We pray because we understand it's not about religion, it's about relationship. That means he wants to hear your voice. It's hard to have a relationship if you don't talk to somebody. 
right? Just imagine all the married couples in the room, never speak to your spouse again. Some of you went, heaven, don't. That's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. I'm telling you right now, it's going to end poorly for you. Don't do it. Your marriage, the number one cause of divorce for the last 40, 50, 60 years, it has not changed in its communication because you need to talk. It's the same way. We're in relationship with, with a savior, with a father, and we, he wants to hear our voices. So we pray because it's not about religion, it's about relationship. You know why else we pray? We pray because it's not a burden to us, but it's eliminating all the other burdens. The Bible says, come to me all who are weary or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We walk around with burdens. Prayer says, I don't need to be burdened because when I pray, those other burdens go bye-bye. And so it's not a burden to pray, but it relieves those other burdens. Why do we pray? We pray because God can do more in five seconds than we can do in five years. He works at a different pace than us. It took us a full year, eight years ago, to build this building. The creator of the world, let this sink in for a moment. Go back to Genesis. How many days did it take to create the world? Six. Six days and then he rested. Six. What he's able to do we can't fathom or understand. It could take us five, but it could take him. He could just say the word. Say the word and you're healed. Do we believe that? That's why we pray. You know why else we pray? We pray because it's the one thing that supersedes everything else on our to-do list. Remember, I have lists that have lists. But the thing that we need to make sure we're doing is praying before we ever start the list. I believe Pastor Craig Rochelle said it. It's not, prayer is not our, our last resort. It's our first response. Right, so it needs to make sure that it's, it's what we're focusing on. Why do we pray? We pray because we're too busy not to pray. If all the running in life and the busyness and the stress, we need to pray. Why do we pray? Because someone has sometime prayed for you. Let this think it for a moment. You may have mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, somebody who's been praying for you for years, decades. There may be a season of your life where you are, you are away you are so far away, but there is someone who is interceding on your behalf. Yeah. I think about my own children, and I've shared this before. When, they, when all of them were in the womb, we would pray, and we would ask God, and we would, we would say, God, we know, here's what I want you to do, Lord. Right? And we were very specific. God, we want you to help these child, children. We want them to love you. We want them to serve you. But then we took it a step further and we're like, God, we want these children to be soul winners for your kingdom. We want them not just to be hearers, but doers of your word. And that was our prayer. I'm so grateful that all three of my children are in ministry and, and loving God and serving God and, and they're not hearers, but they're doers of the word. And that's not a brag. That's a, man, we saw this and we knew this was so important and so we prayed. So someone's prayed for you. Who's God asking you to pray for? Is it a neighbor, coworker, friend, loved one? Why do we pray? We pray because the greatest tragedy in this Christian life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Is it like, we're not here to sing Garth Brooks. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered, like, for unanswered prayer. No, what about the unoffered? The scripture tells us in the book of James chapter four, verse two, we have not because we ask not. And that's not a name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. That is a, are we asking? Are we asking God to move in a way to stir our hearts? So one last verse for you, and then we're gonna close. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The word cast means to throw. 
to throw, to release, to give, to surrender. But sometimes this is what we do. We say, God, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna lay this at the foot of the cross because I can't handle it, the burden, I'm weary and I'm tired, so I'm gonna give it to you. And then you give it to him and then you walk away. But then a day later, the same day, the next week, what do you do? You walk back and say, God, thank you so much for taking care of this, but I would prefer to carry it myself. So symbolically, what I wanna do this morning is I want an opportunity for you to cast that care, to cast that care. So in the seat backs in front of you, yes, we have offering envelopes. Yes, we have connection cards. But we also have prayer cards that are available to you any Sunday. They can be confidential. They can be public. And we pray over these. Can I let you know if it's big enough for you to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about? So if you're worrying this morning, it's big enough to pray about. So in the seat back in front of you, grab these prayer cards. If you're like, oh, there's not a card in front of me. It didn't get refilled. Just raise your hand and one of our hosts will make sure you get a card. Here's what I'm asking you. There's pens in front of you, cards in front of you. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray and Pastor Phil is gonna sing. When he starts singing, what I want you to do is I want you to write your prayer down. But then you're gonna cast it. I'm gonna cast this care. I'm gonna cast this burden. I'm gonna cast this worry. Because what I'm gonna ask you to do is this area up front is called the altar. And so I'm gonna ask you to bring that request and lay it right here at the altar. But here's the thing, I don't want you to come back and pick it up. I want you to get, truly let it go, surrender, cast, release it over to him, whatever it might be. And then when we gather on Wednesday, we're gonna pray over these. We're not gonna flip them over because this is between you and the Lord. So you write whatever, whatever it is, we're not reading them. And then next Sunday, when we gather, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna pray over these needs because I want it to be released. I want you to be able to say, God, I have cast this care upon you because you care for me. So this morning, let's pray. And I want you to just say, okay. And then here's what I want you to do. As Pastor Phil sings, and you bring your prayer card up, when you go back to your seat, would you begin to let it go? Would you say, God, I'm here and I'm gonna, I, I don't wanna pick it back up. This need is too great, it's too large. Would you have the faith to believe for the miraculous this morning? So Jesus, I pray today. I pray that for everyone underneath the sound of my voice, God, as, we, as we're praying, Lord, I pray that we, would, we wouldn't hold back this morning. We would, be, we would be honest because you see it, you know it, that, that whatever it is, maybe it's a doubt, maybe it's a fear, maybe it's a struggle, maybe it's an addiction. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would help us to be honest, that we would lay it down. But God, I pray, Lord, that there would be a supernatural release that we, would, we wouldn't just hear the scripture to cast it upon you. But God, we would physically get up out of our seats and walk that need down, laying it at this place of consecration, laying it at the altar, not to pick it up and trusting you, having the confidence in you and in your character and in your nature that you will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask. So God, help us in this next few moments, to be honest. Help us in these next few moments to pray that those prayers would be powerful, world-changing prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.